listeners, hello. Welcome to another episode of Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we are talking about how habits build you and how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here, chatting again with my personal habit hero, my dad, John Bruce. Dad, how are you today? I'm doing well. Good, good, good. So, listeners, just to let you know, we want to do everything we can to improve these episodes. And I'll be honest, Dad, after listening back to our initial episodes, I've realized that I am insufferable. <laughs> and, and particularly when you are talking, I am insufferable. I am an aggressive listener. I listen by talking, Dad. <laughs> and that's a problem. And so, this is about habits... The habit I'm developing right now is shutting up while you talk. <laughs> Sound good? Well, I, I, you, you're too hard on yourself. I, none of us love to hear ourselves. It's just that's the human nature. But uh, I think you're fine. Well, <laughs> I didn't expect to hear myself listen. <laughs> that's the problem. So we're going to work right. on that. Okay. I'm going to work on that. So, Dad, in our first two episodes, we've really looked at, at habits from the 30,000-foot view, talking about the theory of habits and we discussed why habit building is just something we've got to do as humans. It's an inescapable reality of having a body. you got to build habits. And then we talked about why building habits is an inescapable reality of being a Christian. Why, if you want to become like Jesus, habit formation is a step that you cannot bypass. It is absolutely critical. And so at our, in our last episode, we talked about God's role in making us like Jesus, talked about our role in that process, and then the role habits play. And, and we tried to also answer some of the, the theoretical objections that you listeners might have to building habits, why we don't want to build habits. And so today, we really want to get practical. We want to move from the why to the how. Before we do that, Dad, anything you want to reiterate? This is your chance from, uh, from the first one. You know, our conversations have, have made me more sensitive to some of these things. I, I love to learn, and uh, this is the golden age for learners because the Internet has, has taken away a lot of the gatekeepers that used to be there, uh, whether it be radio or TV networks or universities or publishers. That There's so much information now available online, and you can find sermons, you can find TED Talks, you can find classes about everything, and I love it. But the thing that I've noticed is that getting information is not the same as implementing information. And just hearing a talk does not change your life, no matter how inspiring that talk is. Uh, this week, I, I wanted to transplant uh, a tomato plant from a pot to the ground. And so, of course, I went on YouTube. And there are hundreds of YouTube videos about how to transplant. And I watched a lot of them. The Someone is making a living right yes. now teaching people how to transplant tomatoes. Exactly. And so I learned a lot about transplanting tomato, but the plant has not been transplanted yet. And, and uh, what I realized is that we've got to have a step that information, no matter how inspiring that information is, there's got to be another step of helping us to implement that, that information. And that's where habits. Uh, all, all of us have had the experience of going to an inspiring conference or retreat mm -hmm or hearing a sermon or a, a talk, and we said, I, this is changing my life. I, I'm never going to be the same again. But once the, the feelings evaporate, the, the, the desire 
kind of goes away too. And we pretty much go back to what we've been in the past. And so change is a lot more difficult than we think. And so I think it's, we've got to be really realistic about how change in behavior actually takes place. That's what I wanted to tag on there, and I don't want to take us too far afield. Uh, we want to get into our subject matter, but a realistic view of change is a huge reason we're doing this podcast, because to, to piggyback on your point, I think a lot of times what happens is you hear this really helpful information or this inspiration, and you see what you want to become or you see what you want to do, then you go out and implement, and you realize it's an incredibly frustrating process. So frustrating, in fact, that you just give up, because expectation and reality, there's this huge disconnect between what you thought this behavior was going to produce and what it produces. And the reality is all you did was an act. What you need is a habit. Right. And, and, and habit formation is really about the realism of change. Exactly. That, that all real change is incremental change. Right. And if you don't have an intentional process for cultivating that, you won't see change. Exactly. You know, it t everything takes practice. We're, we're creatures of habit, and those habits are only developed through practice. And so we've got to have a way to practice thing, the development of whatever habit we, we're going to do. Right, and that's true for becoming like Jesus. Yeah. And if we don't realize that, we're going to be frustrated in the Christian life. Right. So that's why we're doing this. Good. So we've talked about why. Let's move to how and, and how we develop habits. But before we jump in to what kind of habits... Christians should build, or what kinds of activities we think you should prioritize as a follower of Jesus, I think it's really helpful to look more closely at what a habit is. Really just the anatomy of a habit and how a habit develops without us even knowing it, the subconscious habit formation process that's happening for all of us. Because once we have that framework in place, then we really understand, okay, here's how good habits have actually formed in my life. Here's how bad habits have actually formed in my life. And then conversely, here's how a bad habit could be broken in my life. And so, Dad, why is it important to do this? Why is it important to break a habit down into its constituent parts in this way? If, if I don't break it down into in terms of, of all the steps that developing or breaking a habit takes, I get frustrated because yeah. it's just one big mass and it's just too big to tackle at once. I need to have a clear map of, of how to move from where I am to where I want to be. Yeah, totally. And, and what's cool about this is that people who look deeply into habits have basically come up with the template. Right. And these apply to any habit you're trying to build, including ones for the, the Christian life here. And so, moving from theory to practice, let's talk about the anatomy of a habit. Okay. Let's break it down into its constituent parts. Dad, what are they? Well, s stealing again from James Clear, and I know both <laughs> of us are fairly familiar with his book, Atomic Habits, uh, Mr. Clear breaks a habit down into four parts. Uh, the first part is what he calls Q, uh, what triggers us to 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 actually practice that habit? I mean, for and a lot of time the cues after a long time are almost unconscious. Right. I when I walk into my kitchen after I wake up, the first thing I do is I make coffee. Right. That's just it's just a that's that reminds me. Okay, I've got to start the coffee maker. There's there's all kinds of cues when I. When I get ready for bed at night, I brush my teeth. Mm -hmm. um, I just again, that's the cue. I walk into the 
bathroom, I remember, oh, there's my toothbrush, there's the toothpaste. But it's just, but to start a new habit, we need to identify something that's going to remind us, that's going to trigger our brain to initiate a- action. Yeah, yeah, and you, the cues are multifaceted there. You can be a visual cue. I, I see the coffee maker, and I think I want coffee. Um, <laughs> if your spouse makes coffee and you don't, your cue is smelling coffee as it's brewing, and it's time to, to get up. But there are all of these environmental cues that trigger habits. Right, right, exactly. And so uh, James Clear takes from that that, that if we're going to, to develop a habit, first and foremost, we have to make it obvious. We have to right. have some simple cue that's going to remind us now is the time to begin this habit yeah and 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 eventually once it becomes a habit you no longer really need the cue as much it'll be almost unconscious right uh, the second law according to uh uh claire is craving and that's more about why do i want to develop this habit because if if a habit doesn't have rewards we won't develop it it's right. just that's the simple as can be we don't crave the habit we crave the results of the habit. And so I've got to be clear uh, by making that habit attractive somehow to me. Now, I changed that a little bit in my own thinking from to more of a faith-based thing that I, the reason I want to do is more out of conviction, that, that this is what my faith calls me to. If I really believe this truth about Christ or this truth about God's Word, how will I behave? And so that's what motivates me uh, in that situation is is how does faith lead to the development of this behavior? Right. Yeah, so cue is reminder. Craving is our internal desire to do it. Yes. And and so the, if the cue is the smell of coffee, the craving is there's nothing I want more in the world right now than, than that cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for Christians, what you're saying is there's a deeper sense here. Let's move beyond the purely physiological Right. way of talking about this, to the faith-based, which would say there are things that we believe are good for us in Christ. Exactly. <laughs> and and that are the best for us. Right. And that's why we're going to do these things. That's right. So yeah. I, I've got to remind myself of that when I have the cue, then I've got to remind myself, this is what Jesus calls me to do. This, mm-hmm. is, this is the way faith responds in this situation. Good. That's it. Third thing is the response uh, are making this a routine. Just what specifically do I do? What are my actions? And and uh, I think the easier we create that routine, the easier it is then to, uh, to 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 make it a habit for life. If it's too complicated, it's too many steps. It's not. We have to think about it too much. We have to think through it, and we'll miss steps. So, so in developing a habit, it needs to be a fairly simple routine that we're putting into into place. Yeah, I was thinking about that. One of the things Clear says, and this is one of his axioms for habit formation, and I think we're going to be returning to this one a lot in the coming episodes because it's been so helpful to me, but it is, and I'm paraphrasing, that a habit cannot be improved until it is established. Mm. Yeah, that's good. You cannot improve a habit until it is established, and so you want to establish your minimum baseline for doing this thing and then improve it rather than come up with some stupidly grandiose plan for what you're going to do. Yeah. And, and so as simple as like working out, even if you just say, I'm doing 10 push-ups. Well, if you do those 10 push-ups for 14 days in a row, you're going to get bored doing 10 push-ups. Eventually, you will do 15. Right. You will do 20. You'll improve the habit. 
but you have to start with a baseline. And one of the problems we make is that we create a baseline that's way too high yeah. for the kinds of activities that we're going to engage in. Why my golf game has never improved because I, it, it's never become a habit. I've got 25 different things I'm trying to think about at the same time when I'm swinging the club, and there's no way. It's just too complicated. Right. And Plus, uh, the cadence of your habit is to play once a year, exactly. and that's going to make it really hard to improve that habit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think what you're saying is right. If you, by making it simple, um, for example, I try to write every day, and, and yet my, my, my habit is just to write for 10 minutes because I find I always write longer than that. But but I've got to get I've got to make it simple enough just to get started, get the momentum going. Uh, the fourth law is reward, and that is to make it satisfying. What reward do I get from this? We really won't develop a habit unless there is some kind of extrinsic or intrinsic reward. We we floss our teeth because we like the feeling of clean teeth, for example, just on a real simple basis. Uh, I drink coffee because I like the, the way it tastes, and I like to wake up and, mm -hmm. and be more alert more quickly. And so there's got to be a, a clear reward that we have. Yeah, you can think of craving, step two, as the anticipated reward. Yeah. And then the, the reward itself is the actual satisfaction you get the, from, yeah. from doing the thing. Yeah. Um, so, so good, cue craving response reward, or you've put the, the Jesus twist on it yeah. in developing habits. Cue conviction yeah. response reward. This is so helpful because this is what's happening in an instant in your brain. Right. When right. you're doing really countless um, actions throughout the day. Right. Um, it's subconscious, but to break it down in this way shows us here's what's actually going on yeah. um, in our brains as these things are happening. Well, these things won't automatically happen until we practice them intentionally. So I'm going to have to work through those four steps intentionally and conscientiously, but if I continue to practice them, they will become automatic and unconscious. Yeah, and then they actually become easier to do. Yeah, exactly. Which is means you don't need this massive reserve of willpower right. to, to see them happen in your life, exactly. which is, is really the attractive thing about habits. So let's talk about implications. What implications does this have for building good habits and bad habits if we think about these four steps? I think what it says is we need to um, figure out for our bad habits, what's our cue? What's the trigger that, that uh, triggers this bad habit? If I, if I overeat, for example, you know, what, well, why? What, what's the cue that always triggers my overeating mm -hmm. and, and uh, change my cue? Or what am I craving, and 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 how can I get that somewhere else in a right. better way? Um, how can I change my routine to, mm -hmm. to I, I so I avoid that circumstance or that situation that that where I fall into this bad habit? How do I change my reward? How do I figure out I can get what I want in a better way than I get from this bad habit? So it yeah. it helps me to change the bad habit and replace it with a good habit by by working through those four steps. Yeah, that's good. The way Clear says it in his book is that anything you want to create in your life as a good habit, the first step is to make it obvious. That's the cue. Your environment has to make it obvious that you're going to do this thing. The second is to make it attractive. The, uh, that's craving, or we would say conviction. You have to um, establish your why for why you're going to do this. The, the third point about how we respond, he would say make it easy. Lower the activation barrier to doing this thing. And then finally, make it satisfying. 
Um, and often satisfaction comes from seeing progress. That's, yeah. that's what it is. So tracking our progress is the big thing Clear talks about there. So conversely, you want to break a bad habit. What you do is first you make something invisible. Yeah. That's the, that's the cue. Um, I always eat too many cookies. I mean, literally, if you put your cookies in your garage, <laughs> you'll eat less cookies instead of in a giant bowl right. on your dining room table. Well, I want to eat more fruit. Put the fruit in the bowl that you took the cookies out yeah. of and keep it there. Guess what? You're going to eat more fruit. Um, second, make it unattractive. Um, and, and there's all sorts of ways for us to sort of reprogram our way of thinking about things to say, man, here are all the negative consequences this is bringing to my life. Yeah. Um, the fourth is, is make it difficult. Um, and then finally, make it unsatisfying. And we can talk more about the practicalities of how to do that with breaking bad habits. But I think what's challenging about creating good habits here is that the link between cue and craving um, or we could say the link between response and reward, in each case, it's f- usually more delayed for a good habit than for a bad habit. Yeah, yeah. Y- you know, you think about impulsive habits. Um, I want to eat. There's the immediacy of the reward. I want to look at porn. There's the immediacy of the, the perceived satisfaction there versus <laughs> I want to save for retirement. Your satisfaction is a it could be a 40, 50 year delay. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to have healthy teeth. Well, you know, flossing, this is a, a very delayed reward. And so that's really where I think faith comes in for the Christian. Yeah. That, that we have to believe that even though there's a delay between response and reward, um, that it is coming. Yeah. And that it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it reminds me of the old marshmallow test. Of the one, the kids that were given the, the opportunity to either eat one marshmallow now or wait for until the the researcher came back and then they could have two marshmallows and mm-hmm. then they they followed these kids for forty years now and and the the two marshmallow kids the kids that could delay gratification who could wait have turned out to be the more successful the more mental, happy the more socially adept. Uh, every area of their life has prospered simply because they developed the, the ability early on to delay gratification. Yeah, and uh, and so and that's where faith comes in for us because so often the reward is something we're believing God to give us uh, in the future. Yeah, and it's even more imperative now, I think, because of how good technology is at hijacking our impulse centers. Yeah, in our brain. Yeah. Uh, the people who design tech are brilliant at this. And I've heard one person describe it as a race to the bottom of the brainstem. Mm. But the idea is that technology is incredibly effective, particularly social media, news outlets, uh, advertisements, all of these things are so good at activating our impulse centers in our brain and getting us to react, either react to notifications, react to what people are saying, react to this piece of information, react to this advertisement. And so... The, the game is sort of rigged against us developing good habits in that way because so many of these things are sort of gamed yeah. to activate. the. And again, that's not to say all technology is evil and let's all go be hermits or anything like that, but to say that really the things that we want to cultivate in our life, it's going to take even more intentionality than maybe it used to. Yeah, yeah. No, good habits don't come automatic. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not a... The, our lower brain that, that causes good habits. Uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, yeah. the conviction of things not yet seen. 
And so if we're going to live by faith, we have to live by faith in the future, which means living intentionally now for what we, what we hope to, to gain in the future. Right, and it's not an easy satisfaction, as Pastor Greg says often, right? Yeah. It's not the easy satisfaction of something that's just sort of compulsively satisfying the minute I tap into it. It's something yeah. where it really takes faith yeah. to believe that God's a rewarder yeah. of those who seek Him. Yeah, exactly. Good. So, Dad, let's get even more practical. We got practical. Let's get really practical. Let's get down to brass tacks. And I have no idea what that means, but I think it's a way of saying practical. So... We have broken down the anatomy of a habit. We've got the constituent parts of how a habit actually forms in our lives. Now, let's apply this to the Christian life and specifically to how we implement truth from the Bible. Okay. Because 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, as you said last time, it's, it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, but for training in righteousness. The Bible is to be used for training us. Right. And, and so this template sort of gives us a training regimen. It does. Doesn't it? For it does. how to apply truth from Scripture. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I've simplified uh, the four steps to three steps just because I can't remember fours, but I can remember threes. And so. What do you preach sermons or something? <laughs> so I've just. Developing a habit for me is a, I need a reminder. I need to identify what my reminder or my mm-hmm. cue is. I need to identify my routine. What routine do I go through when I get that reminder? And then what's my reward going to be of that? So I, I want to just use that in applying one particular scripture and, and, and how this would work out for me, how I would begin to train myself or practice it in, 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 in righteousness. So That's the, good. So, so just to, to reiterate that, because this is a lot of information for, for people to digest yeah. all at once, you are simplifying the cue, craving, response, reward really into four steps. And the steps are, could you say them one more time? Reminder. Reminder. That's the cue. Uh-huh. Um, then the next two steps I combine into one, the craving and the, and the routine. I just call it routine. Yes, yeah, so maybe the response yeah, is, is your routine. Exactly. And you'll see in, as, as I talk about ap- applying a particular scripture, how that works out. Yeah. And then reward. Right. Reminding myself, here's the reward. Here's why I'm doing this. this and is I would note reward. that they all start with the same letter. Easier to remember. Easier to remember. <laughs> yes. Cool. <laughs> Great. So, so how does this work? Well, I, I was, the other day I was, I was looking at Matthew 5, uh, Sermon on the Mount, verses 10 through 12. And Jesus says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I would identify the teaching there that I'm trying to apply is that to be like Jesus— I must embrace suffering, shame for his name, knowing that suffering for him brings great blessing now and greater rewards later. That would be the teaching I'm trying to apply to my life. So, so you're setting a high bar here for habit <laughs> development. Well, I think, I, yeah, but I think it, it, it makes it practical here. Yeah. So the next thing is reproof. All, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching. Our teaching is I need to follow Jesus in embracing shame mm-hmm. for his name. Uh, then reproof. Where do I fall short in unbelief on that? And I would say that I have not believed that sharing in Christ's sufferings is necessary for blessing now and rewards later. Mm-hmm. And as a result, um, I have avoided suffering for him whenever 
possible and uh, mm-hmm. avoided saying uncomfortable things or taking a stand for truth or or uh, stuff like that. And then when suffering for him happens, I tend to shrink back in fear. Um, so that's where I fall short. So what does repentance and faith look like? What am I, what am I going to do? What's the correction? Mm-hmm. And the correction is... Uh, what I just said, to be like Jesus, I must embrace suffering shame for his name. Right. So what's that mean practically? So what am I going to do? How and am I going to do this gets to the three R's right This here, is right? where we get to the three R's. Okay. Okay, so this is the training in righteousness. Yeah. First of all, what's my reminder? What's my cue? When am I going to remember that I need to do this? And so I wrote, uh, whenever I'm tempted to fear or flee from suffering. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my cue, that whenever I'm, basically it's just the feeling of fear. The feeling of I want to run away. I don't. I don't like this situation. Yeah, and uh, specifically fear of disapproval. Could be disapproval, persecution, um, embarrassment, yeah. rejection. It could be any number of fears. But it's just identify. Fear is kind of my cue mm-hmm. that hmm, I got. I got to pay attention. My routine is that I remember that Christ promised that such suffering brings great rewards yeah. and blessings, and boldly embrace the opportunity, trusting in his promise. Mm-hmm. So I, I go against my natural inclination, and I step into the situation rather than fleeing from it. Right. The reward that I, I get from doing that is that I will be both courageous and joyful, because Jesus promised that, that as we obey him, we will know his joy, and our joy will be made complete. And I want to be courageous. So yeah. I get I, my two rewards are I, I act out of courage that I want to be, I becoming the, the man I want to be, and I know I will have immediate joy in that situation because when you, I find that when I obey Christ, I'm always joyful. Yeah. So breaking it down like that, of thinking, okay, when will I apply this? Well, I'll apply it whenever I'm afraid. Uh, whenever uh, a situation comes up that I would tend to keep quiet or I would tend to leave or I would tend to um, compromise on. That's my cue. Wait, wait a minute. you got to be intentional here. This is, a, this is a temptation. This is a test. Then have a, a clear routine to practice. This is where I'm practicing. And I'm practicing remembering what Jesus said, A, and then doing what Jesus would do, mm-hmm. B. And then my reward is the results of them doing that. Yeah, and the rewards that Jesus lays out in the passage. Yes. You will be blessed. Yes. Yeah. And and I, it's really good. It it shows you, though, that applying the Bible, it takes a lot more thoughtfulness <laughs> right. and intentionality than maybe just, oh, I, I need to go read this and, and do otherwise, right? To actually train yourself in righteousness for this, you have to get down to the granular level of, okay, where am I falling short all of those questions, but then in the training of righteousness part, okay, when do I need to remember this? And, and then start thinking through these situations in life where I have really been fearful of other people, fearful of discomfort for standing on my convictions, and then what am I going to do in that situation? Well, here's the verse I'm going to recall, <laughs> right? and then in faith I'm going to act according to that, and then my reward is what Jesus says it is there. Yeah, exactly. What's helpful to me about that is it's more work on the front end it makes it way more likely on the back end you're actually going to do it when you get into the situation. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that thinking becomes a habit. 
so that so that as you move into those situations more and more and more you just experience automatic boldness you do the right thing because it's your habit to do it it's become your character to do it because you've practiced it over and over again and uh and, and otherwise we're just hearers but not doers of the word if we don't take it to the next level of actually figuring out how will I train myself to do this? How will I practice in order that this becomes a natural part of my life? Then we just, we're consigned to just be hearers of the word. We know what the word says, but we never implement it. And so we never experience the blessings that, that uh, the Bible promises to those who do all that it says. No, that's really good. Well, and that's a good segue into next time when we talk more about scriptural intake as a habit of being a Christian, and we've already tipped our hat to this idea that, that one of the ways, and, and again, these aren't in the Bible, this is just <laughs> applying biblical wisdom here to, to this idea, um, one of the things we can do is to use this template of here's how habits form, okay, we know that, so we're going to need a reminder, we're going to need a routine, we're going to need a reward. We start working that process more in a specific area of our life. And I think the thing I would encourage people to realize is that if you actually do that, it's not burdensome. In fact, it will become part of who you are. Right. Because you're acting by faith. And, and then it's not about creating this list of 16 million habits then that I have to do in the Christian life. It's that, no, that becomes internalized. Yeah. It becomes more and more unconscious. Um, and so that, wow, I get into uncomfortable situations um, I'm able to respond with grace and truth. Right. Um, and I don't feel as afraid. I, th I think somebody said it, that we don't become like Jesus by trying. We become like Jesus by training. <laughs> and and it's, it's practicing doing what Jesus would do in the power that Jesus supplies so that, that eventually we would do exactly what Jesus would do because we've trained to do it. Yeah. It's just like practicing uh, a musical instrument. Uh, the first time you, you go through a piece, it's awful. Yeah. Um, it, we don't do it. But the more you practice it, the more it becomes natural to you. Muscle memory takes over. I think the same thing is true for any area of life, whether it be intellectual, artistic, or athletic. The more you practice it, the more natural it becomes. Yep. No, that's really good. Good. And that's a good place for us to leave off. Next time, we're going to jump more into building habits for the Christian life. And I think a great place to start, Dad, would be this issue of priorities. That's Great. what I'd love to, to start with next time, is how will you live life more by design? And, and then we can start talking about the kind of habits we should build, the kind of priorities we should make. Good Sound idea. good? Great. All right. Well, thanks, all of you, for listening. Uh, feel free to shoot either of us an email if you have feedback, questions, suggestions for how we can improve it. Hopefully I shut up more when I wasn't talking today. And uh, uh, thanks so much for listening. And, uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>